Welcome to the EPFL podcast with Anna and Tegla. In weekly 20-minute episodes, we'll share information and personal experience about a series of subjects, spanning from relationships, health, great women in science, and many more. Sometimes there will be experts joining us and answering your questions. Enjoy this week's episode! Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Today we are here with Ariana. She will talk about femtech and she will also present herself. So um, thanks so much for having me. I'm Ariana. I'm a third year medical student at ETH um, and I'm originally from Geneva. Yeah, I'm really interested in the field of femtech and that's why I started organizing this summit. Since this series we do is about female health, it's really interesting that we found you and you can be here with us and talk about femtech. So maybe first, what is femtech? So femtech is a term that applies to a category of software, diagnostics, products and services that uses technology to focus on, on women's health. So that can be like anything from fertility solutions to period tracking apps, pregnancy stuff or women's sexual health, it, it, it really varies what it is. It's something that has huge potential because in that whole field, even though it's a really broad field, menstruation, pregnancy, that's super broad. There's been actually relatively little innovation up until now. Everybody knows that there was like the birth control pill that came out in the sixties, which completely changed society and all that. But since then, in terms of changing terms of contraception, there's not been that much innovation, but now there's starting to be a pickup in like finding different ways and non-hormonal ways. And the same thing goes for like menopause. There's been relatively little innovation in that field, but now there's all sorts of things that are being done. For example, there's bracelets that are being invented to sort of cool down hot flashes. And yeah, that's, that's femtech. Um, and we have a lot of those people that are doing those innovations coming and speaking at the summit. That's really great and interesting, especially because a lot of like research uh, around like medical stuff is mostly focused on men. So that when you do something like femtech, it's great because it's focused on women where research isn't really at the peak for now. Yeah. Yeah. It's super shocking. Um, yeah. The summit I've been researching sort of statistics about women's health and, and and you see all sorts of things that like for example women are 50% more likely to be misdiagnosed when they have a heart attack than men are and that's because we don't have the data for what a woman's mm -hmm. attack looks like so there's companies for example in femtech that are trying to get women to wear bras with cardiovascular devices to measure what is the norm for a woman, what the normal heart rate is for a woman, all, all that kind of stuff so that they have baselines. So then there's less of these medical errors being committed in surrounding women. Yeah. yeah, because I think it's been only something like 20 years since women are allowed to do medical tests and all of that for research. So it's great that we're accelerating that now, thanks also to new technologies. And we had a question from our listeners and they wanted to know if you're working on a specific product uh, for your thesis or it's just in general that you're interested in this. I mean, the summit in general is is my specific thesis. It's it's researching all these companies and, and mm -hmm. finding out what they do and putting them all together. 
sort of spreading awareness about the topic. The idea is also that the summit is going to be interactive, that the people that attend are really interested in the subject, and that then when they start to see sort of the challenges and the problems in this area, maybe they come up with the solutions and some solutions themselves, maybe they connect with other attendees. So yeah, it's more about building a community and awareness around the topic and less, even though the companies are super interesting, I just haven't had the time to come up with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now another question, how and why did you get close to this field? What are you the most interested in within the field? For example, diagnosis, reproductive health and fertility, etc. So like I said, in medical school and last semester, we had our module on reproduction in university. And even though I majored in biology in high school, the stuff I found out in medical school last semester about reproduction and women's health was shocking to me. And what was especially shocking was there were all these diseases I had never heard about. And when we were learning about those diseases, there was so little that they could actually tell us about them. And there was so such little research surrounding them, such little therapeutic options. And these were things like endometriosis, for example, which affects one in 10 women, but it takes an average of seven and a half years for a woman to get diagnosed. And when she is diagnosed, the therapeutic options currently are, are not that great. Now there's like all sorts of companies in the area of femtech now that are doing things with CBD and trying to come up with solutions. And there's companies like we have one at our summit called EndoDiag, which is trying to help the diagnostic process, trying to help doctors be able to diagnose this more quickly. But I mean, that was what was shocking to me. Or another example is like postpartum depression. Even though it's known that women get that after childbirth, it's actually only something like 12% of women actually receive the care that they need for postpartum depression. So we have another startup speaking at our summit, which helps with the diagnostic process and then helps connect women to care. But it, I just found a lot of those like statistics and a lot of those facts really shocking. And, that, and that's how I wanted to sort of see if actually anything was being done to change that. Um, and that's how I found out about femtech and about what I'm most interested in the field. I think most women in their 20s have to start dealing a little bit with the theme of, of contraception. So I've definitely found that whole area super interesting because there's a lot of really innovative stuff that's being done in that field from like hormone mini labs that can monitor the hormones you have in your saliva to be able to tell you where you're at in your menstrual cycle in terms of your ovulation. Or there's another product which looks super interesting, which is a non-hormonal way of thickening the cervical mucus lining to make it impenetrable to sperm. Yeah, I'm really interested. I, th I think the devices being developed that are non-hormonal and can function as contraception are really interesting. Do you guys have a field that you're most interested in femtech? For me, personally, it was also like reproductive health, since we've talked about it on our previous episode. It was just mostly, um, you know, doing research. So it was very interesting. And uh, I've learned so much, which I think it's already bad. I should have been, you know, taught everything or like more in high school, yeah. or even like, you know, middle school or whatever. But It's just shocking how much they don't teach us and how much you have to teach yourself. And it's hard to find like a good resources that are reliable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the education, that the information we're provided is, is very like rudimentary and yeah, you don't hear about any of the stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like I think just health in general, like surrounding women is just not 
talked so much about, like when you were talking about postpartum depression, it's so taboo and nobody really talks about it. And it's, if it was like about men, we would talk about it every day. Well, yeah. Another like statistic that I found really shocking was PMS affects something like 90% of women and erectile dysfunction affects 20% of men. And yet there's five times as much research that goes into how to cure or help erectile dysfunction as there is into how to cure or help PMS, even though like 90%, 20%, but one has five times more. Yeah. Yeah. It's just incredible. But even like when you see, for example, now the vaccination and when they talk about blood class, they're doing such a big deal. But as a woman, when you take the pill, the amount of blood class that we can have is astronomical, like next to the vaccination. So it's yeah. just incredible the how people really react about health, like when the gender is a factor. Yeah. And what's really interesting, I think, is also the diagnostic part. I've never realized how much uh, the reproductive organs of uh, females can like affect our health. And so I don't know if uh, you can talk more about how it can affect diseases and infections and how we can prevent them. Because I don't know if my informations are all these reliable. <laughs> I know that when we take the pill for a long period of time, then we have uh, more chances of getting uh, diseases and infections also in, in general in our body, not only in the genital area. Mm. Um, I didn't know that, but that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. That, I mean, you're, you're, you're messing with like the hormonal fluctuations of the body. And, and all that. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of, there's, in terms of just reproduction, um, in, in terms of just gender medicine, in terms of like the way our bodies react, there's huge differences. They've, they've found, it, it's actually not even just the reproductive organs that change between men and women. There's sex differences in the cells in every, in every single cell. Like there's sex differences in lung cells in women that make them more likely to get lung cancer if they smoke. Um, something like 70% more likely. Uh, women have are, are, have eight or eight times higher to have an autoimmune disorder. There's just actually fundamentally gender medicine needs to be included in like every aspect of medical research because women and, and men, there are just differences on a cellular level. But yeah, I mean, the thing about the, the pill doesn't surprise me. It, it's just that it should be included everywhere, but they often don't include it in medical trials because they think that it makes it too complicated, <laughs> which mm -hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense because, okay, it's more complicated, but it's a reality that for 50% of the population, their hormones change over the course of the month and it impacts everything. Yeah. Actually, in medical trials, um, when women are included, they're often only included at the beginning of their cycle when they're most like men um, to make it less complicated, which kind of defeats the purpose, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's extremely interesting. I followed um, a conference and the researcher, she did this, like changing the period during the cycle, when to do the medical tests and it changed, it changes a lot. And she said that we need to have more variety in our studies because it's fundamental. Yeah, it changes everything, essentially, mm -hmm. yeah.
And just even when you take the antibiotics or some other medication, if you are on the pill, it can change completely everything. And I think we don't talk about it so much, but it happens. And when they did the medications, they didn't think about that. So what you really need to do when you're on antibiotics is to not have sex or use a condom because your pill just doesn't work. Oh, wow. That it doesn't work at all. That's yeah. It's yeah. The percentage goes so down that it just isn't, I think it went to 20% when you're on your antibiotics. Yeah. I, I don't know though, how you can change the fact that they, I mean, I think it has to change a little bit also in the curriculum mm -hmm. in schools that, that to be taught more. It's just not covered at all. Not even, not even a medical school that we, you know, you have like a couple of weeks on, on diseases that are right. like, but you don't find out about any of that stuff. I didn't know that about the interaction between antibiotics and the pill. Yeah. I was just lucky because my gynecologist told me that I have to be very careful to like not get pregnant if I'm on antibiotics. <laughs> I'm very glad he told me because I was like in the past uh, two months on antibiotics and, <laughs> you know, uh, if nobody would told me it would have been a disaster. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you don't know, then how are you exactly? How are you supposed exactly. To? And even, for example, in this case, you do everything right. You know, you are on the pill. You don't want to get pregnant and then nobody tells you about the antibiotics and you get pregnant even though you tried everything to be careful so it's just annoying yeah yeah and maybe do you have some examples of studies about uh fertility that are being done or some um, products oh products that are being done so there's Like I mentioned, there's a there's a hormone mini lab that tests people's saliva for the progesterone levels to be able to tell them when their optimum window is. Um, there's also this company called Ava, which is a wearable. It's a bracelet and it monitors the person's core basal body temperature to also tell them their optimum fertility window. After there's those are those are sort of um, non-invasive ways of measuring when you're fertile, when you're not fertile. Then after there's, I think, the more traditional methods with some um, embryos and non-embryos. I recently found out about a company that helps women with polycystic ovarian syndrome because it can affect the, the quality of, of the eggs. And uh, it doesn't it does a non-invasive procedure to help improve the quality of, of the eggs. But yeah, there's all sorts of stuff being done in that field. Um, I would be interested to see what's going to be done actually in the male field because this might be biased, but I often think like fertility is put on the woman. Um, mm -hmm. But there's all these, uh, there's been a lot of stuff in the news lately about how the male sperm count has been going down and the quality and all that. So I don't know, it'd be interesting in companies trying to help improve the fertility of men. It's great that there's companies that are helping women, but yeah, I think it goes yeah, <laughs> from both sure. sides. Even when we talk about contraceptives, I would love if they would have <laughs> some research from you know males, because even when we talk about vasectomy, Not a lot of males want to do that, even though like a woman has to go even through worse than a vasectomy uh, to not get pregnant. So why the male shouldn't do it? Yeah, there's been not a lot of, yeah, exactly. There's not been a lot of research into it. I mean, every now and again, you hear about like, oh, could this be the, mm. 
male pill and stuff, but it doesn't seem to yeah. be moving forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I think also like I've heard some article or I read some articles and then I heard about it is that they were working on a male pill, but there were a lot of side effects. And I don't know, it's just ironic. Like we have so many side effects. So if they're going to just stop at every side effects, it doesn't make sense. Like we go through so many side effects. So if it's like the same amount, I'm okay with it. It's like at equal. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like the bias. It's like, yeah, it's okay yeah. for them. It's not okay if it's us. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think that's crazy. Exactly. For the next question, I think you already explained it really well. It was, why is it necessary to have all these technologies and products in the medical field? Uh, I mean, you already said it. I don't know if there's something else to add. Maybe what are some products or technologies which are already being used? All the companies that I've mentioned already exist, right? These are mm -hmm. like that I came up with on the spot. There are wearables that can tell you your optimum fertility window. There's hormone mini labs that can tell you like your fluctuation mm. in progesterone. Something that I find really cool um, that I didn't mention though is for example, there's this company called Mobile ODT, which is essentially you have a cell phone and the cell phone helps you diagnose if you have cervical cancer or if you've been sexually assaulted. And it takes it, you're with the help of, of their device, you can mm. take her and then it gets uploaded to the cloud and analyzed by AI. And I think that that's just insane um, mm -hmm. because cervical cancer is I think the fourth most common cause of death in like cancers in women. So it's, it's, a, it's a major problem. And part of the reason why in developed countries, the, the uh, death rate is, is lower than in developing countries is because we have this early screening with pap smears mm -hmm. and all that. Um, that's kind of a problem in, in other countries. And so this company, which I think is really great, has is doing a pilot program, has done a pilot program in the Dominican Republic where they've given their devices to see like if they can help lead to early diagnosis and so help people get treatment sooner. I think that's a really, really cool company. Who else have I not mentioned? We have like, I think a lot of stuff in the news about the Apple Women's Health Study, which um, took data from everybody tracking their periods on their phones. And then they studied it to sort of to see if there's any correlation with like, their environmental conditions, what kind of symptoms pop up at what point in the period. And I think that's really important research that they're doing. And another really cool company that we have is this company called Bloom Life, because in the US now, women are two times more likely to die during pregnancy than they were, than their mothers were. Um, so they have this um, device that helps monitor like fetal heart rate and like uh, vital parameters of the mother, but remotely from home. So it's not, they're not completely reliant on the doctor. I think also just women's health in general is neglected through all the stages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, in terms of pregnancy also, there's not as much innovation as there, as there should have been. I think. And in like in hospitals or do doctors already use some of these products uh, to diagnose or so the depends on on which of the product right because a lot of these i think are geared towards consumers but mm -hmm. the product endodiag which helps diagnose endometriosis is geared towards like doctors to help them be able to diagnose it quicker and i think the postpartum depression one is also 
connects the women then with clinicians. So it's supposed to help on both sides. But yeah, definitely. I, it doesn't help if it's only the woman. It has to connect them to like the doctor. Yeah, that's what I thought because we have a lot of products that we can use. But then I, I was thinking about like the professional field, if they also have these tools to to progress. So it's good that there's something. Yeah, there, yeah, there are. But I think, um, I think it's not only about having the tools. I think it's about the education. Um, mm -hmm. We have somebody speaking at the summit also about like who, who is trying to integrate gender more into like the medical education program because it's not it's not taught. It's not taught like I just now had a course, I think, two weeks ago and I'm, fin I'm finishing my bachelor's this week. I'm finishing the bachelor's and then it's this research project. But it, like two, three weeks ago was the first time I had a course where we had a lecturer who told us, yeah, there are differences in every single cell in the human body, not just like the sex chromosome cells, like your heart cells are different between men and women. Lung cells are different between men and women, every single cell. And that has like huge consequences in terms of survival rates. Like there was another study that showed that in terms of survival rates after heart attacks, they used to think if you have a huge immune reaction, if there's like lots of neutrophils produced after there's a heart attack, then you have a better survival rate. And then a couple of years later, when the study was done on like female mice instead of male mice, there was the complete opposite result. The prognosis, like they had a much worse survival rate if there was a thing. But if you just do the study on the male mice, then you would think, oh, well, you always want such a huge immune reaction when actually it would like have a terrible prognosis impact for the men. So yeah, I think, It's not just about, you know, developing the products for consumers, giving the tools to doctors. It's about like doing the trials and, and educating sure. people about the topic. I've read also the research about doctors that misdiagnosed women a lot. There was like a big percentage of doctors that always said it's only stress and just misdiagnosed a lot of women. And that's why Femtech and others is very important because just to educate everyone and just because the research is done on men it doesn't mean that we will have all the same symptoms it's just the misdiagnosis i think it's horrible when you look at the numbers yeah it's it's very it's super high and i mean a part of that is bias but a part of that is that the doctors don't know what to look for right they're not right. taught but i mean it has like dramatic consequences Exactly. I think that applies also to uh, mental health and how to diagnose uh, different from men and women. Some uh, like autism, I think it's very different. And ADHD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And also uh, mental health, though, often is highly stigmatized and that's a problem. And it, But it also like affects a lot of the time more often women like mm. have much higher rates of depression and much more likely to be impacted by depression but it's stigmatized and yeah mm -hmm. so we have our final question for you um, yeah what are your thoughts on the future of femtech what do you think it will look like um well i hope there's going to be a lot more of it <laughs> i hope there's going to be a lot more innovation in the fields There's something like a statistic that says that by 2030, the field is supposed to grow to like three billion market valuation. Right now, it's not even a billion. Um, so I think it's definitely there's going to be a lot more that's being done in it. I think that probably most of the stuff is going to be done in relation to menopause or mm. contraception because those are sort of inevitable. Every woman has to think about contraception in some way 
whatever way that is. And mm-hmm. every woman, woman will eventually go through menopause. So I think that, and there's not been a lot of innovation in either of those fields recently. So I think most of the stuff is going to be done in that area. I think the menopause thing is kind of exciting because it, it's described as something super shitty. So it would be great if there was, if there were some solutions that people were able to come up with. Mm-hmm. For sure. And do you guys have a prediction for what you think the future of femtech is look like? Well, I hope that we will do much more research on just females in general. And I think femtech will help with that. And also like talk about all the stigmas and just throw them away and try to do the best to just promote female health in general and to show that there is the difference because there is a difference between a female and a male. It has to be incorporated in all the research. Mm -hmm. Also regarding all the themes which are a bit taboo, like menstruation, nowadays it's getting better, but it was really taboo to talk about it. And I think also female pleasure is something that it's coming towards not being so taboo, which is great. And yeah, to spread a bit the word because young girls, they grow up and they think certain things are wrong or mm-hmm. they don't really know. So I hope that will will improve. Actually, that would be great if femtech sometimes talk like in high schools and give some resources to just girls yeah uh, if they did like an outreach program you mean spreading yeah. mm-hmm. the knowledge and like i mean not just to girls though like no, to I everyone agree, but I, I, yeah i think guys need to be educated about the topic Oh, yeah, sure, like I'm sure. super happy with like the people we have signed up, but I mean, you know, ninety percent are girls. I think ninety percent are women, and that's great, and it's super important. But um, you know, we think about guys' health. Why can't they think about our health? And also, like, yeah, contraception involves them too. Yeah, you know, for so, sure. Yeah, you know, everyone I, should I think, like be more educated. Yeah, but I think in high schools it's true. It's true. I mean, the sex education just in general in high schools aren't that great, though. So yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's too much to expect them to be talking about like femtech. So you can repeat for everyone to know the event, uh, the summit you're going to have. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's the ETH Zurich Femtech Summit. Um, the website is femtechnology.org. And yeah, it'll be May 26th and 27th from 4 to 8 p.m. And then after there's kind of like a mingling feature where you can connect with other attendees because A, I think we all have kind of Zoom fatigue and it's kind of boring to just listen to conferences by now. Mm-hmm. And B, I think it's really great to connect with other people who are interested in the topic. And you might be surprised like the kinds of people you 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 get to know and the kinds of ideas they might have. It's completely free. Um, all you have to do is register. There's a there's a link on Hopin, there's a link on the website, and it's open to anyone who's interested. So yeah, it would be really great if as many people signed up as, as found it interesting. Yes, we will put the link in the mm-hmm. description. Um, well, yeah, and I hope you guys also <laughs> come to the summit yes, if you have. Yes, I will. It's the day of my vaccination, but uh, <laughs> we'll go through it. <laughs> thank for you so podcast. much for taking your time. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. It was like a really fun discussion also, yeah. so yeah. Actually, I've learned a lot. Let's well, awesome. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you liked it. Yes, and don't hesitate to 
write us uh, if you have any comments or suggestions about new episodes. Just don't be mean. <laughs> so yeah, bye. Goodbye.